I mean, he's been putting in work for so long. Putting a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 99 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. We're powered by Audio Technica, and I'm John O'Peck, so close to episode 100, and I hope that you'll tune in next week with a very special guest who's it going to be. You'll have to find out in a week's time. Or maybe you bank up some episodes and you already know who my 100th guest was because you listened to it a few weeks later. But anyway, this week... We've got Benyam Kadani on the show, an old friend from the Twitterverse. He is the senior editor of NBA Australia, the official online NBA destination down under. So basically, if you type in NBA.com down here, it's going to reroute you to sportingnews.com slash au slash NBA, which is the home of NBA for Australian news, which means that Benyam's putting together stories with an Australian angle based on stories that matter to people here, which most of the time is about our players and how they're doing in the NBA. And it all started for Benyam back with the Believe the Hype NBA podcast that he used to run with Tom Reed, a former guest on this podcast, I think maybe episode 10. So shout out to Tom for coming on the show last year. But yeah, it was great to talk to Benyam and get his perspective of how that podcast took off and turned into a website and an opportunity for him to write and for him and Tom to go over to the US and go to All-Star games and spend time at All-Star weekend interviewing players and getting to know some of those Australian guys and build those relationships that's really helped him out now that he is in this amazing position of being able to write full-time about the NBA, living the dream. And I think it's a really great story, even if you don't really care about basketball, if you're into footy or video games or music the story of Benyam getting to where he is shows that you can just start off doing something that you're passionate about for fun, doing it really well, taking it seriously, and then taking the opportunities that come along in somewhat of a niche market. But I'll let Benyam tell the rest of that story. Here he is, Benyam Kadani. Enjoy the show. Benyam, thanks so much for joining me. It's awesome to have you here on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, mate. It's all right. We've both kind of been following each other on Twitter for, well, must be like four or five years now. Just, you know, the NBA circles, the Australian circles. It's not too big, but it, it was a lot smaller, like, you know, five or six years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a very cool place once upon a time. It was a very, <laughs> very smaller uh, community, but it's, uh, you know, it's definitely grown. It's definitely expanded. But uh, yeah, we go, we go way back. Way back on the internet. What is it now? If it, it used to be a cool place, what is it now? It's, there's a lot. There's a lot going on out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I am an old listener of uh, Believe the Hype, your, your former podcast, and a big fan of what you and Tom were doing over there. Tom was a former guest on this show. So it'd be good to get your side of, of the story as far as that goes. So <laughs> appreciate uh, it. Yeah, but but I guess uh, in terms of what you're doing now, you've moved on to something that's uh, you know I guess a little bit more official in the the media world of NBA. So is it uh, NBA AU editor? Like how do you, what's the best way for you to describe it? Because I know there's like different names for the website. Yeah, yeah, that's bang on. So I'm the I'm the senior editor of uh, of NBA Australia. So uh, there's obviously a lot of global uh, versions or, or editions of, uh, of of the NBA website. So globally, we do run quite a few of them, and then I'm sort of uh, heading up the uh, the Australian charge. Excellent. And does that involve, I guess, finding uh, like local angles mostly on NBA stories? Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, we're quite lucky. Um, you know, compared to a lot of other global markets, because you know we do have uh, so many players and, and a lot of players that are doing well. So it's uh, it's a little bit easier for us in terms of uh, getting those stories out there because there are so many good news stories and, and so many players to follow. So uh, for me, it's great because you know it's only trending in the right direction. We're only getting more and more players and. Uh, they're achieving more and more things. We've had, you know, title winners and, and rookies of the year now. So it's, uh, you know, really, I'm just riding the wave of, uh, of Australian basketball's growth. 
Yeah, it's an exciting time, and especially for you because you're like a long-time Philadelphia fan, right? Yeah, I was I was an AI guy back in the day. <laughs> I, I sat through the process, and uh, yes, <laughs> and now we've got the uh, the ultimate reward. So things are doing okay. Yeah, it's it's really good, and you know, there's probably a lot of Australian Sixers fans at the moment because of Ben Simmons. Oh, 100 percent. The yeah. whole thing that's happening over there, but you know, Brett Brown's part of that as well. But yeah, to to have stuck through the process, you got to. Get some extra points for that, some extra cred. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I I think the 10-win season was probably the uh, the lowest <laughs> point, but I was there. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So let's take it back. And uh, I think when I talked to Tom, he mentioned like meeting... I don't know if he met you or if you were hanging out with other people in like London or something when you had the idea to start the Believe the Hype podcast. But is that the beginning of it for you as far as your story in terms of what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah. So Tom and I, we went to, to university together I think back in 2006 we met, um, so we were, we were mates there. We played ball together uh, as well, and then it was when Tom was living in London, 2011, and I was I was doing the the classic Australian six month overseas, just kind of hanging out in uh, in Europe, and, and and went to go see him, and that was when we sort of came up with the idea. He you know kind of pitched me the idea of a podcast, which which I'll admit uh, at the time I had no idea what a podcast was or where you could find <laughs> one, <laughs> so I was uh, I was coming in pretty uh pretty cold here, so. Uh, that's kind of where the idea came up and you know we, we really just came up with the idea as a way to kind of just keep in touch because I was I was mm. going back to Australia in a couple of weeks and we kind of thought this could be a, a funny thing for us to do and uh, lo and behold it's kind of turned into this so yeah it's kind of kind of crazy to think back yeah and it was like a, a podcast and then you had the website that was doing quite well when I last spoke to Tom, which was, you know, the start of last year. And so what was the process of that like? Was it just you gradually started to talk about maybe I should write an article or do you think people listening to the podcast would read an article? Like how did that organically come together? Yeah, I mean, you know, we started the show and and we started to get some interest in it and, you know, people were listening to it. Admittedly, we had no idea what we were doing uh, at the time, but it was it was working and it was something that, you know, people wanted more of. So we, we just kind of kept doing it. There was... Uh, as I said, like it was a pretty small fan base uh, in Australia back then, but it was a, it was a loyal fan base. There was a lot of people there that you know we we you know, had the privilege of getting to know as well um, outside of the show. So you know we ha- we had people sort of coming in and and listening to the show a lot. And um, you know I, I I studied sports media at uni. That was always what I wanted to do was to write and be a writer. And and this was just kind of a way to to do a lot more of that. And you know we figured if the if the show was doing well then you know, we probably should have, you know, another place to put the show and that's on a website. And then mm. if you've got a website, we, we may as well write. So that's kind of just how it all came about. Like it was, it was nothing sort of preordained or planned or anything like that. We just kind of went with what we had and, and, you know, the website started to do pretty well. And, and you know, we, we kind of took a different angle uh, to things, you know, you know, you obviously know that the way we kind of did things was pretty lighthearted and pretty silly. Mm. It was, uh, it was never a serious kind of thing. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, that kind of, is what made it successful because it was it was lighthearted, it was fun, and uh, and you know it was, it was it was something that people enjoyed. Yeah, I wonder if it was like a change in the eras or something because obviously you know someone like Bill Simmons did really well with his like sports guy kind of shtick and bringing some humor to sports writing, and then a group like the Basketball Jones as now the starters being so successful as again not experts, not journalists, but just fans who love the game and talked about it in a fun way, like the way you would. If you were at the pub or, you know, at the, at the at the club rooms or whatever it is, do you feel like you saw maybe that, uh, you know, you weren't these experts that were able to watch every single game because we're in Australia and you're just talking as two mates and that's part of what people latched onto? 
Yeah, definitely. I think the, the sort of laid backness of it all is, is I guess, what people enjoyed and, and what we enjoyed. But um, you're 100% right. The, the Basketball Jones, you know, that was, you know, that was literally the first podcast I listened to. So, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, th- those are guys now, guys like Lee Ellis and, and, and Tass, who have been a, a huge help for us over the years, especially uh, sort of starting out and, and, and sort of getting into this. You know, they were guys that, you know, would, would come on the show, would help us out and, you know, mm. be there to sort of give us advice. So it was kind of cool to, to go from listening to that show to, to now sort of becoming friends with those guys as well. Yeah, excellent. And I guess a big part of it that maybe gave some credibility to you guys was that you took the effort to actually at least once or twice a year go over to the US and cover whether it was All-Star break or some playoff stuff and bring some of that Aussie coverage back. And I'm guessing that was all out of your own pocket at the time and quite an investment. Was that part of your effort to, like I said, like legitimize what you were doing to an extent or was it just something that you thought would be fun? Yeah, to be honest, it, it was really the latter. Like we, we just wanted to go and watch some ball, and you know, we came up with the idea that you know All Star Weekend is you know, that's kind of one of those events you always love as a kid, and you know whether whether the same contest is what it is anymore or not, you know that's always kind of one of those events you want to go to, and and yeah. and, and the fact that you have all the players there, and and you know you can do a lot of cool stuff, and I think it was 2013, so we'd been doing the show for like a season and a half. Um, so we started in the lockout season in 2011. Uh, 12 and then and then went through that sort of halfway through the next season we it was in Houston so we you know we booked a couple of tickets we you know somehow managed to to get media credentials for, for all-star <laughs> weekend and 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 you're right that kind of was the turning point I think for us when you know we got that exposure we we, we were there on the ground and, and we got to do a lot of cool stuff and um, you know, we, we had a few Aussies over there in the league at that time. And, you know, again, Australian basketball is a pretty small community. So, you know, guys like Aaron Baines and, and, and Delhi, you know, were, were huge for us and that they would come on the show and, and you know, would, would help us out doing uh, doing a lot of stuff that they, you know, didn't necessarily do for other people or, or had to do for us. So uh, just sort of being there and being on the ground. And, and, and whilst it sounds, you know, kind of funny, 2011 was, was pretty different to, to 2018. You know, there wasn't the same level of... Uh, uh, of media coverage, especially for basketball uh, in in Australia, so it was a, it was a cool thing to kind of you know be over there as you know one of you know only two or three Aussies that were there. Yeah, and so how do you when you're there differentiate yourselves from say the Luke Darcy's of the world who will uh, <laughs> <laughs> who will who rock up and be like oh like hey you're an Aussie I'm an Aussie let's have a chat about being Aussie like because I mean as much as that's a part of your uh, brand it's uh there's there's so much more to it than that isn't there yeah yeah definitely I mean I, I think the thing is you know a, a lot of the players especially like so we, we had some pre-existing relationships with them um you know guys like pay mills and, and, and Delhi who you know I I used to work at AIS back in the day when though when those guys were running around there so um you know being able to do stuff with them and then also other players as well you know whilst we were an Australian outlet like it, it was never a an overly Australian kind of thing. Like we still kind of tried to touch on everything and, and mm-hmm. cover the whole league. Uh, and then obviously we had that Australian focus just because that's what a lot of people uh, listening to the show and going to the site wanted to to hear and read about was how the Australian guys were doing. So I think it was just kind of finding that balance and mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately, you know, we started doing this for fun. And, and I think that's kind of what we maintained through it all was that it was never to make money. It was never to do anything else or whatever. It was, it was just to have a bit of fun. And, and, you know, we, we got to do a lot of cool stuff and, and have a lot of, you know, fun along the way. So I think just maintaining that was, was really kind of what helped us succeed. Sure. And was there any like attention between wanting to keep it fun, but also make it into a career? Cause I mean, you have made it into a career by, you know, joining NBA.com, like the Australian NBA.com and, 
whether or not you were tossing up like how serious to take it when it was still a podcast and and believe the hype website yeah definitely i mean you know for me it was that was sort of the path i wanted to go down um so at the time when i started with Tom doing Believe the Hype, I was I was living in Canberra. I was working in the public service, working a very boring desk job. So this was almost just like an escape from that in that you mm. know, I wanted to watch basketball. I wanted to read a lot of basketball. I wanted to write. So it, it was kind of like, a, I got a you know, crummy job that I don't like. So this is kind of some fun that I can have uh, doing what I eventually want to do. And, and it just kind of snowballed from there. It was sort of after a couple of seasons of doing it and, and, you know, we, we were doing good stuff and, you know, we, get, we were getting a pretty good reception for it. And that was kind of when I really sort of focused in on, on sort of trying to make that transition over across into, into doing sports media full time. Okay. And did you ever look at the kind of more traditional way of, of getting into it through like a journalism degree or in the sports section of a, a newspaper or that kind of thing? Or was it always just, you enjoy doing the podcast, and if it led to something, then it led to something. No, I mean, so so I studied uh, sports journalism at uni, uh, yeah. and that was kind of what I always wanted to do. And okay. um, you know, it's it's a pretty competitive industry. It's a pretty tough industry to to break into. So it was, it was sort of one of those things that I was always trying to do. But you've also got to eat, right? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was trying to sort of manage both of those things was was working, but also trying to make that transition. And um, this was kind of just like a great stepping stone in terms of just doing something I liked, but also, you know, I was working towards something, but it didn't feel mm. like it because it was just, you know, hanging out with my friend Tom. Yeah, that's cool. And so as you were going along, were you deciding to lean more into the writing and ever pitching stories to websites like ESPN or Sportal, etc.? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I did a little bit of freelance stuff here and there. And then, you know, obviously we had uh, a lot of content on the side as well. And then um, that was sort of when I started to make moves towards, uh, you know, getting out of my, my job because I wanted to do that. Uh, and then it was 2014, so a couple of years later, uh, that's when I made the move over to, to Yahoo Sports, and I got a uh, I got a job with them in Sydney, and then uh, moved down to Melbourne, and I was there for a couple of years, just sort of covering everything. But you know, they um, they let me cover a lot of basketball stuff as well, and, and and sort of gave me a platform there that I could get my work out there and get my name out there. So uh, that was kind of the big leap there was was sort of getting out of my my desk job that I hated and, and sort of actually yeah. doing it full time. So, you know, and, and to be honest, like that wouldn't have happened without Believe the Hype. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to think of that something kind of fun and silly turned into a, into a career. Yeah, right. And did you feel like you had all the skills you needed to do that? Or was the Yahoo job a learning curve of this is how, you know, this particular outlet once it's news presented in maybe like a more serious way? Really, to be honest, I, I think you know the experiences I had with Believe the Hype and doing stuff, um, you know, in terms of writing and, and, and video and that kind of thing. You know, th- that was all kind of things that I I was bringing to Yahoo or was maybe doing things a little bit differently. You know, because they they were a bit more of a, a you know a straight laced kind of news uh, set up there with Channel Seven. So I, I was having to do a lot of other stuff as well. But um, I think just sort of getting out there and getting that experience, uh, you know, off our own back, you know, that really did help and. Um, yeah, it, it did make a big difference. I think when I sort of got there, I was, I was able to kind of bring a little bit of a, of a different perspective for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And so what was the progress from there towards uh, MBA? Uh, so I stayed at Yahoo for a couple of years and, you know, that was great. That was a great sort of first job uh, in the industry. I was, I was able to go to, you know, cover a lot of cool events. I was able to go to the Australian Open, go to the Formula One and do uh, do a lot of that kind of stuff. But I was always still, you know, wanting to just do basketball and, and and this was a way in because i was able to do basketball among uh, a lot of other things and then you know after a couple of years at yahoo we were still doing believe the hype we you know we'd gone from doing one show a week to i think at that point we were doing maybe three a week so it was getting 
pretty yeah. regular. Um, you know, and when you throw that on top of a full time job, it's uh, you know, it's a little bit of a circus. But um, you know, after a couple of years of that, you know, I believe the hype had gotten to a point where you know we had a pretty big audience and. Uh, you know, the work was good. We were doing a lot of cool stuff and, and a lot of interesting content. And then that was when the opportunity with NBA Australia came up and, you know, they, you know, obviously had seen the stuff that we had done and, and the stuff that we've been doing pretty consistently for the last sort of couple of seasons. And then, yeah, they, they, they approached us, um, you know, to come over and take over there as a, as the editor. And that was, you know, that, that, that was the dream really. Yeah. Straight to the top spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things worked out pretty nice. That's pretty cool. And so what was the difference between what you were doing at Yahoo and, and the work at, at NBA? Like, is it, uh, I guess, having more access? Like, what would you describe as the main differences there? Obviously, the main difference was purely just being able to focus on, on basketball. I think sure. that was the, the cool thing was just being able to immerse myself uh, in the NBA and, and, and no longer was, you know, covering basketball a, a side thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't just, you know, you've got something else to get to. So just being able to, I think, invest myself, you know, full time was probably the coolest part of, of, of moving across. But, um, you know, I, I think just from a learning perspective as well, you know, Yahoo was great in terms of, you know, I was in a big team and we're doing a lot of different things, but I was sort of able to focus in and, and, and sort of really improve on the on the things I wanted to improve on because, you know, writing about basketball was always a hobby and it was always something I loved doing and, and it was something fun. But to be able to kind of, you know, have the, the resources around you to, to, to really try and improve and have the editors there that would you know, make your work better and that kind of thing. I think that was the big difference was just really being able to have that laser focus because, you know, somehow it had become my full-time job. And like we touched on before about when you'd go over to the US and get a chance to talk to the Australian players. Uh, and now being that it's the, I guess, Australian focus of, of the NBA website, is it still that challenge of, I guess, trying to find an Australian angle that's not just pandering to Australians? Because I feel like a lot of outlets, especially like more like mainstream ones, will do that. Is that, I don't know, you're not going to sit here and throw bricks at people, but is that, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean there? Is that something you've yeah. seen? I, I think as well for a lot of Australian media as well, like basketball in this capacity is, is, is quite new, mm. you know, in terms of yeah. covering the league and that kind of thing. You know, we're only really starting to see things take off and, and it's great. It's awesome to see, uh, NBA and NBL, you know, on the on the nightly news, or you open the newspaper, like you know, as a as a lifelong basketball fan, it's a, it almost feels weird to see uh, <laughs> basketball kind of getting the shine that it, that it deserves. So uh, on that front, it is it is awesome, and and you know, for me, in terms of you know, you don't want to end up writing the same story all over again every time, because you know, especially during you know Ben Simmons' rookie year, you know you kind of did end up feel like you were writing the same story every week because he was doing, uh, you know, amazing things every week. So I think the challenge is sort of trying to dig in and, and, and find those other stories. And, you know, whilst you obviously have the the things that are, that are going to stand out, you know, there, there's so many awesome stories from how guys got to the league. You know, guys, especially, you know, the Australian guys, took you know, a variety of different ways of getting to the NBA rather than just going to college and, mm. and getting drafted. So, you know, even just little things like that, digging deeper and, and, and getting those stories and, you know, even just being, you know, in the States with guys and, you know, being you know, in their hometowns and spending time with them, you know, where they live, you know, there's a lot of different angles and stuff there. So I, I think that's also been one of the coolest things is, you know, being able to spend time with the guys over there uh, where they live and, and, and sort of getting those stories there. So that, that, that's one for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think like the way that basketball is in Australia and I guess how it's been for maybe the last 20 years, it's a it's a thing where everyone who's made it to the NBA and has developed a skill to that extent is, is probably going to have a really interesting story about how they ended up in the NBA, whether it was like someone like Joe Ingles who had to go overseas or someone like Delhi who, you know, decided to go to college in the US and 
Ben Simmons going to America or whatever it is, like it's a different uh, path than the traditional NBA story, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you said, like Joe took the route of going to the NBL and then going over to Europe and, and having a long career there. And, you know, he, he came over at 27 and, you know, for a guy to come over and do what he's doing at that age is, is unreal. And, um, you know, guys like Delva Dover as well, who wasn't drafted, who kind of scrapped his way into the league, uh, you know, via summer league and, and, you know, managed to hang on to a roster spot on that Cavs team yeah. and, and has now turned it into a, you know, a five, six year NBA career. So, uh, you know, th- th- those are to me are the interesting stories as well, but, um, just seeing how the guys impact the communities back home as well. You know, Patty Mills does a lot of fantastic work in the in the community here and, and also Delhi as well. So just seeing these guys being able to give back um, because they are so committed mm. to you know being on the national team and, and, and representing Australia. So these guys do a great job of, of you know, almost creating these stories uh, for us. So they make it easy. Yeah, that's good. That definitely helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so was it, I know like you've had to say goodbye to the Believe the Hype podcast. Was that a, a sad realization that maybe you're just getting too busy to keep it going? Yeah, you know, it was it was kind of one of those things where, you know, we put a lot of time and a lot of effort and, you know, you sacrifice a lot of your social life as well doing something like that. And, you know, for a few years, you know, it's it's fine because you love doing it and, and it's awesome. And I think you sort of, you know, we maybe got to that point this year where, you know, I was crazy busy with my job, um, you know, doing a lot of uh, writing and, and obviously the other podcasts and stuff like that as well. And, and, and same for Tom as well. And I think, you know, we sort of felt like we weren't really giving it the, the energy and effort that it deserved or we could kind of see that, you know, maybe, you know, we, we weren't going to be able to keep up what we had sort of built. So mm. it kind of just felt right that, you know, it, it had been seven seasons as well. So, yeah. you know, I mean, Seinfeld, Seinfeld only lasted nine. So <laughs> <laughs> everything's, everything, I guess, does sort of have to end at some point. So it, it kind of felt like a good time to, to maybe say goodbye just because we still felt like we were doing a good job, but we didn't know how much longer we were going to be able to do that for. Sure, sure. And being like podcasting was so different when you started it, do you feel like it's at a point now where like there's so much more competition that it's hard to stand out doing something like a basketball podcast? Oh, absolutely, man. I, I look back at, at, I guess, the landscape when we started and, you know, there was only like, like a handful of NBA podcasts and, and we were, you know, one of a couple of international, you know, NBA podcasts. Mm. So it, it, admittedly, it was a lot easier to kind of, you know, get some recognition or, or, or get an audience back then because the now when you sort of look at every website, every sports website has, you know, maybe one or two podcasts that go with it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's almost overwhelming now in terms of the market. Like, you know, I, I remember at the time I would only really listen to two or three shows because there was only really two yeah. or three shows. So <laughs> You just listen to all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, it, it, I, I don't know if things would have been as successful, say if we were starting today. Mm especially because, you know, with the way social media and the internet is, there's so much stuff out there now. Whereas, you know, in 2011, like Twitter was still pretty new. Like there was a, there was an engaged audience, but Hmm. it was still a pretty new thing. So, um, yeah, I I think timing definitely did play a role for us in terms of when we got started and sort of when things started to take off. But yeah, I, I don't know if we would have the same success today, just given the, the nature of things now. Yeah. It's a tough one because there's, a lot more people listening to podcasts now, but it yeah. doesn't quite keep up with, you know, the amount of content that's coming out and the options that people have to to fall into. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you know, in, in terms of finding an audience now, there's there's probably an audience for everything now, which we've kind of seen with, you know, Serial or whatever other yeah. other podcasts are out there. There's, there's, it feels like there's a podcast for everything now, but um, I, I think for us, the, the big thing wasn't necessarily having a huge audience, but it was having 
an audience that came back. Yeah. So we, we had we knew, we knew the listeners that were coming there every week. It was it was the same kind of people uh, that, that that sort of you know that they they rode with us the whole time. So I think that was sort of one of the strengths was that we you know, we didn't have the biggest audience, but the, the the people that were listening, they were engaged, they were on social media, and uh, you know it was it was cool to just kind of have that little community that that was supporting us. Yeah, that's rad. And do you ever think like? Hey, I get to watch NBA every day and write about it as my job. Like that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, my my friends remind me every day they hate me. You know, <laughs> if you can watch TV yeah. all day and, and, and watch games, um, you know, I, I'm very lucky that I can I can follow the sport I love. You know, for work, uh, and also get to write about it. So it's you mm. know, I'm I'm very grateful for for how things uh, have kind of worked out. Has it changed the way you watch it though? Like, do you feel like you can't just watch a game and enjoy it, but you have to watch it and look out for certain things? And is it an issue? you at all or is it just it's it's just that good uh, i think it's a little bit more of the latter i mean when you're watching stuff at work you know normally i'm trying to watch two different games at once and trying to get out different stories and that kind of thing and keep track of stats so it, it's almost you know it, it can be seen as an annoying way to watch games because you, you can't really truly focus in on on, on everything but uh, at the same time you know i'll catch myself on a friday with a day off I'll still watch the double header. Yeah. <laughs> I'll still watch it as a <laughs> maybe I need maybe I need some more hobbies, but I it, it hasn't killed the game for me at all. Like I, I yeah. still go out of my way to watch games, and you know the fact that I can do that at work. Um, it, it is different when you when you have to write a story and you are covering a game, but uh, at the same time, even on a, on a day off or even when I'm watching a game, I can I still get sucked in like a fan. So yeah. it's uh, it's you know I, I hope that day doesn't come where <laughs> where where it becomes a chore. But uh, you know, so far I still I still love the game. So it's uh, it's it's all good on my end. I mean, basketball never stops, and if if you're not sick of it by now, then you're probably never going to get sick of it. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm good. <laughs> no doubt. All right. So what would you say has been the hardest part of getting? To where you are because it's been a you know a long journey over many years and it probably wasn't clear that you know there was a, there was a path that you were taking at certain points yeah you know I, I think you hit the nail on the head there I think it's just the uncertainty because you, you're doing all this work you're, you're doing all these things that you love doing because you know you, whether it's writing stories or going to games and that kind of thing but you don't know if it's going to lead anywhere and I, and I think that's kind of the thing is like you know, after doing it for three or four years, you're like, I mean, how much longer am I going to do this without sort of getting, you know, my ultimate goal out of mm. it? And, and and luckily for us, you know, it stayed that way for sort of five or six years. We were still having fun. We enjoyed doing it. And But I, I think at the time, sort of when you are putting in so many hours and sacrificing a lot of, you know, the rest of your life, you know, you, you do have those days where you're like, what am I doing? Like, is, is this even a thing? Like, is there, is there that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? And and especially in Australia, where the media market here is quite small, and then the basketball media market is even smaller, <laughs> yeah. so it, it's not like there's a, a bevy of jobs that were that were going to come up and that kind of thing. So I, I think just the uncertainty of you know you're investing all of this time and energy and, and, and you're doing all of this, but you don't know what for, you know. And yeah. I think that's kind of the the you know to a lot of people it sounds crazy, like you you know you're kind of just doing this thing that almost feels like a job, but you don't know if it's going to lead to a job or if you're going to make any money out of it. And and I think that's the difference between doing something like this and something that, you know, you may have an okay interest in or whatever. You know, I, I loved every second of doing what we were doing on Believe the Hype. So it didn't really feel like work, but at the same time, you know, when you when you work a full day at your other job and then you're up late till midnight doing a podcast mm. and writing a few other stories, you know, eventually you're kind of like, oh man, like this, this is actually crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, like even now, you can probably count the amount of people doing similar to what you're doing on one or two hands. Back then, there was probably even less people 
you know, doing it full time. So it was probably a situation where you couldn't even say like, oh, look at all these people who've done what I'm doing and got there. Like it was just you guys basically. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing. Like if you, if you can't see a pathway or you can't see an end result, you know, the, that, that doubt kind of does creep into your head a little bit, but you know, at, at the same time, as you said, like we've got a lot of guys now that, that, are, that are doing great work and guys like Olgan at Fox and uh, the guys at the pick and roll, Kane uh, Pittman and Ben Malice. Yeah, there's, there's Nick Medellinos is mm. over it. You know, he's on, that's TV's ESPN's uh, Nick Medellinos. So yeah. there's a lot of guys out there uh, doing a lot of great stuff now. And, you know, luckily for us, you know, we have the market, we have the players uh, that allow us to do, uh, you know, this kind of work. So it's uh, it's awesome just to see the game getting the recognition and the coverage that, you know, I've always felt it deserved. But yeah. you know, now we're, we're at a level now where, you know, it, it's, it's the coverage that's needed. That's right. And like our friend Steve Smith, who's another past guest on of this course, show. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like, I love his story because it shows that, like, even if you're just, like, dipping your toe in as a freelancer, there's enough work there to demand that from the market here. Like, oh, absolutely. The Australian interest in the Australian players and the NBA in general is, yeah, it's definitely at a peak, as you touched on at the start of the show. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it helps that Steve is one of the, the best storytellers of yeah. all time. So <laughs> He's good. And Shout I, out to Steve Smith. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, I guess like the, the national side of it, like the Olympics come around, the Commonwealth Games, at least things. So yeah, it's, it's good that uh, the cycle can tick around and, and uh, everyone gets fed. But yeah, that's it. There's, there, it feels like there's really a one month out of the year where there's no basketball. Other than that, you know, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost too much. <laughs> uh, there's always something happening. Yeah, there's always something. That's, I, that's, yeah. All, that's almost the more entertaining part of the year when, when there's no actual news. <laughs> yeah, ex- <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, the summer months definitely uh, definitely are the most intriguing, I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so on that note, what would be your advice if people are out there? Obviously, it's a very different scene than when it was when you were coming up, but what would be your advice to people who look at you and say, I want to work at NBA or I want to work at ESPN and write about basketball full time? I mean, I, I can only really speak from, from my experience, but I think creating our own platform was probably the best and, and also one of the coolest things about it was that it was something that we owned that we created and and ultimately we had full creative license to kind of just do whatever the hell we wanted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think having something that, you know, you can attract people to and, and especially if it's yours because it's your voice. And and I think when people you know think about Believe the Hype, it's, it's, Tom, it's Tom and I. That's what people think about it because it's always been um, our voices. It's always been our writing. So I, I think just being able to control your work is, is a huge thing. But uh, at the same time, you also have to get your name out there and get your work out there. So it's it's hard because you have to just stay with it. And, and I, I know it sounds cliched, but writing as much as you can and just even if it's good or bad, just getting those reps in just to kind of work out who you are as a writer, what you want to write about. And, and ultimately, that's the best way to find out what you're good at and mm. what you're not good at and what you like and what you don't like. And, and I think also just getting those relationships as well because... You know that that's kind of the the whole thing, right? Is it's you know it's not what you know who you know whatever. But I, I think it's more so just finding like minded people to pick their brain and and, and have people. You know, if you see if you know people that are doing the same kind of thing as you, you know, just being able to to share that experience, talk with them, and and, and I think that was the cool thing about when we started doing it. There was a lot of people that were sort of just starting out and coming up, so we were all kind of doing the same thing, and we were all you know sharing the same interests. So a proxy of that was we were all kind of able to help each other out because mm. we were all kind of doing the same thing. And, and, and that's, that, that to me is probably one of the, the cooler things is guys that, you know, we'd met in 2011 and 12, uh, that I still see now around when, when I go to games or go to all-star weekend, you know, you, you have guys there that, you know, have, have helped us out a lot and, and, and sort of, it's cool to see guys that have sort of gone on to do other great things as well. So, you know, the relationships and 
you know, that kind of thing is, is super helpful. But yeah. it, it's just one of those things, you know, you, you don't really know how things are going to work out. So uh, you kind of just have to almost do it for yourself rather than, than doing it for, for mm. other people because you don't really know where it's going to go. So I think if it's something that you really want to do, you kind of just have to put, I guess, yourself into it, which, you know, which is hard, but it's, you know, that's, that's kind of the best way, I think. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And like you mentioned before about uh, Lee Ellis and, and Tass from, from the starters kind of coming on your shows when you were starting out and giving you advice. Do you find now that you've got, you know, some experience under your belt that you're able to help people that are where you were back then? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we started out, you know, we, we had no right to have guys like that on our show. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you know, shout out to guys like Zach Harper and, and, and yeah. Dan Devine as well, Ethan Strauss. Like, they were just, you know, dudes that we'd met when we were at games and, you know, became friends with. And, you know, they they were, you know, super eager to help us and see us sort of putting in that work. So, you know, for me now, you know, I, I get people that, you know, will ask me for advice or whatever. And, you know, that that's that's just kind of paying it forward because you, you kind of see that people have that same enthusiasm that you have and, you know, you only want people to succeed. So it's, it's not a crabs in a barrel type thing. I, I want everybody to win. Yeah, cool, man. All right, so my, my last question for you, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Ooh, that's a tough question. If I could do anything <laughs> and know that I wouldn't fail. I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Any like dream NBA projects or stories that you'd like to tell? You know what? Like ultimately, like as much as I love writing, I much prefer talking. So if, if this yeah. ends in me having my own TV show somewhere, <laughs> somewhere down the track, you know, that's that's something that uh, my guy Carl and Gay, who, uh, who worked with me at NBA Australia uh, and is now over running NBA Canada, that's that's kind of always been a, a little pipe dream of ours is to, is to get a TV show off the ground. So if that's, you know, if, if that's something that could come in the future, I think that's uh, that's probably the next step for me. I think that's that's the yeah. that's the the dream, I suppose. Nice, nice. What would be the the style? Would it be like the starters, or would it be something more like uh, the you know, I don't know, the Jalen Rose's show or Skip Bayless? I, I think anything that would allow me to wear sneakers and a t shirt and, and not have to wear yeah. a suit is uh, is yeah. ideal. I'm a I'm a man of uh, of, of comfort, so um, yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I I like to look at the game through a very casual approach because like it's this is not serious it's just sports it's fun like it, yeah. it doesn't have to be you know so dry and especially with the nba the nba is the ultimate entertainment league so you know i i'm very thankful that i'm covering a league that is so fun because you know i have friends that that cover other sports and you know kind of talking to them i'm like oh man like the nba really is that cool like you, you know is, what yeah. i mean so <laughs> um yeah i i think that's just the, the nature of uh, of the of, of the league is that it is a fun league so that's that's how i want to cover it awesome i think when i had tom on he mentioned like if he could do anything he would do a like a, a documentary on i think it was on like australian players uh i can't remember exactly what it was is there a story in in, this, in australian basketball that you'd love to tell that you maybe you're working on it so you don't want to spoil it but no, does no. anything come to mind <laughs> uh, to be honest like i i think just sort of this generation because we we saw how good the the era before with the you know the, the gazers and longley and that, those kind of guys you know they kind of blaze the trail for for this kind of era and there was kind of that little gap uh you know when when yeah. before bogut kind of made the move and, and was a number one pick and you know we had 82 bucks games a year on tv um <laughs> and, and now just sort of seeing that second generation i think there's a really cool story in that and you know as i said like i i was lucky enough i got to sort of be there firsthand a little bit you know at the ais in canberra the, the australian institute of sport when you know joe ingles and patty mills were, were just kind of heading off and and delhi and ryan brockoff brock modem that kind of era of guys are sort of coming through and, and, and just sort of being able to see 
the second generation come through and and, and achieve mm. what they've achieved. We've had you know guys like Baines and Bogut, Delhi all win rings. Now Ben's you know rookie of the year, one of the one of the best players in the league, and and and, and Joe as well. So just I guess kind of seeing all of those guys and and where they started to where they are now. I think that's that's a really really cool story that that maybe hasn't been told in in detail yet. But for me, I think you know that's something that you know I got to see a little bit of close up close and personal and and, and now to see these guys doing so well i think i think that's one of the coolest stories in in australian sport yeah man that that is really cool i kind of lied because i said that was my last question but i want (laughs) to ask you a couple basketball questions i don't get to talk about hoops too often uh on podcasts so do you think we'll get a game here (laughs) ever or soon Uh, eventually i think eventually you got any inside information look i i know that australia is a is a important market you know for the nba but uh, at the same time, logistically, I think that's kind of the big thing is that you, you know, we saw that they announced the India games uh, for, you know, for next uh, next preseason, I think, the, the Pacers and the Kings. And, you know, that's a big market. It's, it, it's, a, it's a not a far away market. And, and I think for Australia, it's, you know, it, it's already a very engaged basketball market. So it's, it, it's, it's hard for such a small population yeah. to, to get people to come such a long way. And, and I know they travel all around the world, but... There is a big difference between going from New York to China than going from New York to Sydney. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's still tough. So, I mean, I would love to have an NBA game out here, but and I think it will happen because it's only growing here. We, we, we're sending more and more players to the league. So I, I think it's just a matter of time. But um, I, I think it's one of those things where you have other markets that are, you know, as important, but they're just much bigger. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, is the Philippines the closest like geographically that they've been here? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, in in terms of you know the recent sort of years, yeah. I mean, they've, yeah, the Philippines, you know, China. Obviously, we we see the reception they get out there. You know, the, the fans out there are, are crazy for the game, and and there's so many of them. So, um, you know, I, I I think that's probably the, the the region that's sort of getting more love now. But you know, once once they do sort of establish themselves in that market, you know, Australia's right there. So uh, they have a very very passionate fan base. You saw. You know, they sold out both those games against the USA and the Bulls yeah. almost in the space of a, a couple of hours. So that was crazy. Um, Getting yeah. trying to get tickets for that, I tell you. I don't know if you get like media passes, so you don't have to worry about it. But man, it was it was an effort. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's crazy. So I, I think that's the thing. If if, if they do come here, then uh, you know it will be a success. Yeah. Can Australia win a medal in twenty twenty? I absolutely think so. I, I mean, we saw how close they got in Rio. That yeah. foul call will be haunting Australian fans forever <laughs> on, uh, on on Paddy Mills. But, you know, I, I think in terms of talent, Australia's got to really put themselves right up there. You know, if everyone is healthy and playing, I mean, you know, there, there's another sort of, I guess, wave of teams that are coming through now. You've got Canada that, that has, a, has a good team. You've got, um, you know, guys, Serbia and Croatia, they're always going to be good. But, you know, they have a lot of young guys as well. Mm. Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, international basketball is not easy. The, the European teams are so well drilled. They're so well coached. Um, so it's going to be tough. But I mean, obviously, the USA is, is, is the USA. But I think amongst that sort of second tier of teams, you know, Australia should have the confidence to feel like they can go out there and beat everybody. So I'm, uh, I, I will be surprised if we don't have a medal at, uh, at Tokyo. So you can, you can put my name okay. <laughs> And are some of the other like bigger teams kind of trending down with some of the aging players like Spain, obviously, with the Casals right. and... Uh, I guess France has lost a few of its star players as injuries and time has has gone on. Yeah, I mean th- those sort of errors are, are, are going in the other direction than us. I mean Argentina is 
not what they used to be, you know, when they had that huge run in 2004 and through the mid-2000s. And France's better players are... And now they're older players, guys like mm. Tony Parker and, you know, even you know Nick Batum and, and you know, the new Rudy Bears obviously still uh, in his prime as well. And they still do have, you know, guys like Fournier and that kind of thing. But that's, I think, the, the big strength of the Australian team is, like, the generation is coming up together. Yeah. Guys like Simmons, Thonmaker, Dante, they're all in that same kind of age group. And then, you know, the guys that are really... The veterans aren't really that old. Guys like Patty and, and Delhi, they're only 28, 30. So I, I think for us right now, we, we're in that era where we have a great balance of, of youth, but we also have a great balance of, of experience and, and continuity because these guys have all been in the program for a couple of years now. So I, I think this is kind of what a str- the national yeah. team has kind of been building towards. And, and you know, R- Rio was great, and I really thought we, we had a chance at a medal there. We probably should have won a medal, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know Tokyo now is is I think you know we're going to send a roster that's probably just NBA guys and maybe you know one or two NBL guys, but the the crux of our team will be uh, mm. will be NBA guys and and probably the best team uh, talent wise that we've sent to an Olympics. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm thinking like if we can just get our full squad there, that's really like what we need. Like that's the big thing. That's the big yeah. thing is getting everyone on the on the court yeah. because. Timing is everything, especially when you, you know, you're not overflowing with NBA players. Like yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you have to get, you know, one or two you know, injuries or, or guys not playing can kind of throw everything off. Yeah. And so that's, you're hundred percent right. That's the, 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 that's the big one. Yeah. If like Exum or, or Simmons say, ah, oh, I probably I'll sit out this one or they might have a bit of an injury and then team doesn't want them to play. Like, yeah, you can just see that could be the difference between a medal, I think. So hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's been another cool thing to watch, I guess, through this sort of generation of guys that have made it to the NBA is, is I guess, just seeing that commitment to the national team because you see guys like Joe and other guys that were in Europe coming back for qualifiers. And I, I remember when Delhi was first going to Summer League with the Cavs, I think they had an Oceania qualifier against him. This guy was playing, like he was you know, fighting for an NBA contract, but he came home to play. So yeah. I think that core group of guys that, that have been with the program for so long now, and, and now we're getting to a point where not only is... You know, we, we got NBA guys, but now the national team is you know right up there in terms of the the, the best teams talent wise, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a commitment to it, that's for sure. Uh, and so, who do you see at this point? We haven't even hit All Star break yet, but who's your tip to make the finals from either conference? You know what? I, I think in the Eastern Conference, it's it's probably a little bit more wide open but mm, that definitely. Toronto team is scary man like <laughs> something about when I watch Kawhi Leonard play there's like five minute stretches where like he just looks unguardable and I don't know if any other Eastern Conference team has a player like that maybe outside of Giannis where I'm like okay he can truly take over so I'm gonna rock with the Raptors they're, they're the number one team right now so that's my pick for the East and and coming out of the West I mean, you, you gotta say the Warriors right but you have to yeah yeah I mean it's, it would almost I'd almost be lying to myself if I didn't say the yeah. Warriors, but I'll, I'll put the Warriors there. But you know, there's, there's other teams there that, that that could get it together. Um, you know, it, it's not the same sort of one and two than everybody else's it was last season. You know, I, I wouldn't be to me. It wouldn't be crazy if LeBron found a way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm never going to bet against LeBron. <laughs> He's definitely up against it, but you know, you don't want to look like the idiot that was like, oh, I didn't think LeBron was going to do it. There's enough evidence to suggest <laughs> he might well do it. But uh, I think that may be more next year than uh, than this year. So mm. I'll, I'll still rock with the Warriors. So who do you think is the most likely team to beat the Warriors, if anyone can, in the West? You know, it probably is LeBron. Yeah. And and Co. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nah, well, just LeBron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though. The, 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 the Rockets aren't really the same team that they were last year. Uh, some of the teams that started really hot 
you know, like the Clippers have kind of fallen off and, and the Jazz don't look like they're necessarily going to take that step uh, this season. So it's, it's kind of weird in the Western Conference. It looked like it was going to be hyper-competitive, uh, but it kind of just feels like there's a lot of teams that are maybe at the same kind of level and that's yeah. still very much behind the Golden State Warriors because, you know, you don't want to see them in the playoffs no matter mm. who you are in the West. But if, if there was another team that could beat them, I'd say it's maybe Denver. Okay. And Denver yeah. haven't even really been full squad this year. Nah, like, not at all. They've and had guards still, out all year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma City is another team that I think is not being spoken about enough because they're, they're second in the West right now and they're, they're, they're playing unreal defense. But mm. how that translates to being a playoff team. Um, but they look good. They, they look like a team. They're probably the two teams that I think could, could beat them and, and, and add the Lakers in there as well. So that's, that's your top four right now. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I can't even say with a straight face that somebody's going to beat the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> and how far do you think the Sixers can go? Is it uh, a failure if they don't make the conference finals? I don't think so. I, I, I think for them, the, the timeline got sped up way too quickly because mm. last year they really shouldn't have been as good yeah. as they were. Um, nobody expected Ben Simmons to do what he did and Bede was playing at an unreal level. Um, so that kind of just went, oh, okay, they're not just a young team. Now they're an elite team. And I think... Maybe we kind of got carried away because they are still a youngish team, but now you bring in Jimmy Butler and the the expectations then kind of shift again. So, mm. you know, if, if they make it back to the second round, I think they'll be disappointed. Uh, but it's not unreasonable, uh, just given that you know the Celtics, the Pacers, the Bucks, the Raptors—they're they're all really good teams. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if any one of those teams beat the Sixers, except for maybe uh, maybe the Pacers. So it'll be it'll be tough for them, but. You know they they have just as good a chance as any of those other four teams to uh, to be there in the conference finals. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they how they progress, uh, just given everything that's sort of gone on with them. And I feel like they've kind of been one of the soap operas of the season. Yeah, it's it's so great to have an interesting Eastern Conference. I tell you, like hey man, you, we're, we're rolling deep now. We got yeah. guys like Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin. There's there's a lot of talented guys outside of that uh, top four or five group as well. Mm. Yeah, and it's cool because it's it's it is top heavy, but the West is so like middle heavy. It's it's yeah, just it's a yeah. it's an interesting NBA year. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and, you know it's probably one of the most even NBA years in a long time. The fact that we don't have you know a colossus in in either conference. I mean, obviously we have the Warriors there, but you know the the East is still reasonably wide open. Like yeah. any one of those top five teams could could become the best team in the in the in the East pretty easily. And then as yeah. you said, you go to the West and beyond Golden State, there's a ton of other teams that could you know, do something in the playoffs. And I don't know if it's because of the the lottery odds changing, but it feels like there's only maybe three teams tanking or playing badly enough that it looks like tanking. Like, I don't know if the Knicks are tanking. They might just be that bad. But And I know the Bulls definitely are that bad, sadly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like usually in years past, you'd see a team like the Kings or whoever, and you'd be like, or Dallas, for example. Like, no one thought Dallas was going to be good this year. No one thought Luca was going to be this good, but yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm on my high horse about this one. I was calling, <laughs> I was calling Doncic rookie of the year in, uh, in when he was in the Euro League. At, at Euro but did you think they'd make the playoffs? I didn't think he was going to yeah. be this good. I knew he was going to be good. Like it was obviously oh, good, yeah. but I mean, this is wild. Like yeah. that, the, the Mavericks are now appointment TV. I mm. can't remember the last time they were appointment viewer. Yeah, well, look at what they were last year, and you, you wouldn't have thought adding a good rookie would take them this far from where they were especially with like Dirk being out for so long right you know not not that he's a superstar anymore but he's been an important part of their offense for so long 
Yeah, that, that's the big thing with with Doncic is rookies are inconsistent. Rookies have ba- this guy doesn't have bad games, man. Like he, he you, you, turn, you tune in in the fourth quarter, this guy's hitting step backs. Like it's it's yeah, crazy man. to watch a guy come in at nineteen and do this. And what a step back it is! Yeah. <laughs> it's like his step back is equal to two of James Harden's step backs. You know that double step well, back. <laughs> step backs are getting out of hand these days, but. I, I think the numbers are like Harden's is like thirty eight percent on step backs, and that's the best in the league. And like Doncic is like thirty two percent already, which is absurd. So he's he's only going to get better. So leave alone his career. Just watching how much better he gets between now and the end of the year will be cool. All right, I've had you here for long enough, Benjamin. I'll let you get back to it. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. And and congratulations on all the success with uh, NBA. My man, much appreciated. Thank you for, for having me on. And uh, I, I should reciprocate as well. You're doing big things out there with the show, the books. It's, it's great to see you doing your thing, man. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica. You can follow Benyam on Twitter at Benyam Kadani. Check him out on the podcast NBA Sound System and, of course, au.nba.com. If you enjoyed the show, it could go a long way to help out. If you could leave an iTunes review or hit us with a five-star rating, you can do that or pick up some sweet putting-in-work merchandise all over at 8bit.net slash P-I-W. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Jono himself. Come back next week for episode 100. It's going to be huge. But until then, keep putting in work.